0: Hi there and welcome along to episode 124 of the Jazznet weekly podcast, the totally free and independent Rangers podcast that is made by the fans for the fans and where the content is always absolutely free. And as you know by now, it's not just the podcast that we have here at Jazznet, but please do head over to the website at jazznet.co.uk, where you'll find a load of articles, match previews, uh, a history archive and a friendly discussion forum as well. Uh, It's just gone 9.30 on a Sunday evening. We are live as always. We're on YouTube. The cameras are on. Um, but if you're not joining us live this evening, then remember that the audio experience will also be able to download on uh, a Monday morning, and that's on Acast, iTunes, Stitch Bo- uh, Stitcher, Cast Box, and also on Spotify. My name's Ross Bennett. I'll be your host this evening. Um, there's not been a game for us to, to talk about this weekend, so we'll be casting our minds back to Wednesday evening and the trip to Easter Road. And helping me to do that are two of our finest journalists that we have up here in Scotland. Uh, first up, it's your friend and mine, David Wren. David, how's your weekend been?
1: Yeah, Yeah. good. Um Disappointed you lost the, the call center headset before we came on here tonight. Um Aye. it didn't quite work out, did it? No for, I mean, f- so for anyone.
0: Um, that's the thing. It's I could hear you. I could hear you all nicely, but um no, that's getting punted. I bought that specifically from Taiwan. Um it took 18 days to arrive. And uh, it's it's terrible. So yeah, no, that's a shame. Uh so sorry about that everyone. Uh, you'll have to see my ears. Um also with us this evening and, and making a, a warm welcome return to the JazzNet podcast from the Herald and the Glasgow Times is Chris Jack. Chris, how are you?
2: Very yeah, good, thanks. Thanks for having us on once again. Been quite a, quite a strange weekend with no game. I felt like I was at a game every uh, two or three days uh, during December, so to have a to have a few a uh, a weekends, a bit of a strange one, but uh, it's, it's still been a, a good week.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's still there's still plenty of football to watch, which is a, a relief in some. Pleasing results, let's say from a rangers perspective. What have you uh, managed to do to fill your time on a, a rangers free weekend during a, a COVID lockdown?
2: Uh, still, just obviously keeping up with with things, even even if rangers aren't playing. There's certainly been plenty of things to uh, keep us uh, amused and entertained, shall we say? And honestly, there's plenty of things that obviously affect how uh, that affect rangers' pictures as well. So I'm sure we'll get onto uh, some of them later on. But you know, it's still been a it's still been interesting to uh, to say the very least.
0: Aye, exactly. Um, obviously, we're, we're approaching the end of the transfer window as well, so that, that keeps things interesting, um, and we will come on to talk about that in a wee bit. But there's only really one place for us to start, and that's to cast our back to Wednesday evening. Um, an always difficult trip to, to Easter Road, and, and what with the sort of impending sense of, of winning 55 um, and, and the unbeaten record that we have going as well, this was always going to be quite a difficult trip and, and, and one that had a lot of anticipation David, um, we welcome back Ryan Jack to the starting lineup who I thought was superb against Ross County when he came on, came on, got himself a goal, could have had one or two more. Um, but Ryan Jack started alongside Glenn Kamara and, and Steve Davis, and that's something that we all like to talk about, how that's quite a, a negative setup. Um, that being said, Easter Road, difficult place to go against one of the harder teams in the league. Were you surprised at that starting lineup? Did you maybe fear it might be too negative?
1: No, I think um, I think when you go away to Teaster Road or Potodri or anywhere else, uh, it's deemed a, a tough place to go. Um, that sort of you know balance in midfield, I think, is key. Something that sort of picked up on, you know, throughout the the games without Ryan Jack or Scott Arfield was I, I felt like Jorebo, you know, a fantastic player, someone that I really really like, but I felt we lost quite a few battles in the midfield when when he was there. I, Actually, picked. There was a couple in the Ross County game. Just he, he seems to go to ground, you know, and, and try and slide in on players quite easily. I, I don't think tackling and tracking men's is, is best, best. Uh, you know, I think he's a lot better in the forward areas, basically. Um, so seeing him line up in that in that more advanced area of the pitch was um, was pleasing. And I thought I thought Ryan Jack had to come back in. as you say, when he against Ross County. He was fantastic, and you know we we know we know how good he is, and how good he can be on his day. And I thought, yeah, I thought between him, Davis, and Kamara, they they would always really set the tone. And I mean, Kamara's shown himself to really be a fantastic player and someone who I think would walk into most teams in the English Premier League. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if someone makes a move for him in the summer. I think there's obviously been people interested in the past, but you know you can see him playing with, with a lot of teams down there. Um, fantastic talent and I think, you know, for fifty grand it's it's I mean it really is one of the best pieces of business in, in, in my lifetime watching Rangers um in terms of value. So yeah, I thought I thought it was good to see actually Kamara seem to venture forward a wee bit more when Jack was back in the team and he really showed I mean his capability in, in those areas of the park as well. So yeah it was good to see Jack back. I think the balance was good on Wednesday night, I think for the game that it was and you know the challenge that Hibs that posed it was the right right selection.
0: I think yeah, that's a good point about Joe Rebow because you know he, he's undoubtedly a, a quality technical player, and um, his goal against Ross County is, is up there for goal of the season for me so far. It was you know admittedly shocking defending, but the, the angle that he's that he's carved to score that is, is exceptional. But he has been maybe caught a wee bit short sometimes defensively. Um, certainly, arguably, was at fault for the Aberdeen goal that we conceded uh, up at Pitodry a couple of weeks back. So. Um, I just just a wee bit more certainty and assuredness in in the heart of midfield was, was no bad thing. Considering uh, I know that Martin Boyle didn't start, but they have some some pacey players regardless. Hibs, so I think it's, I think you're right. It was the right call. Chris, we had a a, a wonderful goal, um, and we'll we'll talk about whether or not Morelos should have been been on the pitch. But it was a a really nicely worked um, goal with Joe Rebo, Ryan Jack, Alfredo Morelos finishing it off. And, and Morelos really could and probably should have had a hat trick with a couple of chances that he either took too long on or you know one that he, he sort of scuffed away from a couple of yards out. Um, he's certainly not hit the, the heights that he's hit in previous seasons, but you know a couple of goals against Aberdeen earlier in the month, um, goals against St Mirren more recently as well. Is it fair to say that any perceived slump from Alfredo Morelos is is over and he's well and truly back in form?
2: I don't know if you say he's fully back in form I think he's obviously his role in the team he's judged on goals he's judged on numbers he's judged on output I think the criticism he got towards the start of the season was a wee bit unjust I know he wasn't getting the same numbers that he has done in, in previous season, but I think the role that he was playing with the as part of the team, as part of that front three. I think that was more important than just sticking the ball in the back of the net. Now, I know that's how he's always going to be always going to be judged. I think some of the he got at the start was a wee bit unfair. Now, I don't think he's back at his best goal-scoring form, but I think that, that role he's playing for the team in terms of dropping in, going in different areas, allowing other guys, everything, get involved. Especially, as David said, if you have a Kamara or you have a, an Arfield, as a midfield runner, having Morelos drop in certain areas Creates more problems uh, for uh, for teams. So I think he's, he's he's certainly getting there. That the goal that he scored, uh, perhaps the one up at Aberdeen, certainly the one against them. That was the kind of chance that he was missing. You think back to the Motherwell game, the Hibs game, he's he's snatching out ones, the ones where if he's got too much time. Ends up missing him. He has it straight to keep So please, I'm, I'm pleased to see him back scoring that type of goal because that is the type of goal that he is very good at. And that's the type of goal if you're going to be a, a title winning team, you need your main striker. When a chance comes with that, you need him to put the ball in the back. And, uh, so, certainly a, certainly a good all round performance from him. Uh, the manager was uh, certainly pleased with him after the after the game. And again, he said he could easily have had a hat trick. How, how he missed the one at like the back post I don't know we'll, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say there was a bobble but for, for a guy of, of his, of his calibre you're really expecting him to be putting that away and if he does and, and makes the whole makes the rest of the game makes the whole night makes the whole score line makes the whole feel round about it just that wee bit different so I think he'll be disappointed himself the manager will be disappointed but overall to go to go to, Ciro, to win 1-0 you can't really complain too much
0: no, absolutely. He's he's, he's almost a, a bit of an enigma, Morelos, in that he he scores a bit of a cliche, but he scores the harder chances. Um, and and that one at the back post was, I mean, it, it should be as simple as it comes for a, a striker. As oh, the 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 other one where the ball comes in over the top and he's he's free of the last defender and and wants to take another touch and another touch. Whereas normally he's he's so keen to get a shot away from regardless of wherever he is in, in the box, but. Um, at the end of the day, like you say, he he gets the goal that wins the game, and uh, and it keeps the train moving on. But Chris, the the big question, the one that's caused days and days worth of debate, um, and I think nineteen references during the game from Sky Sports. If you go back and count them, should he have still been on the pitch to score that goal? No, I don't. I don't think
2: so. I I I I think it's a red card, unfortunately. Uh, it's the type of thing he, he gets himself involved in silly things. And I know the the coverage on Sky and the coverage in media headlines and stuff. I know that's part and something that Rangers fans don't don't agree with. And to an extent, I, I, I certainly agree with them on that. But if he doesn't do it, the whole furore then doesn't erupt round about him. It was a bit daft, and he must he must know by now he's not going to get away with that type of thing. Now I know reports came on to Donald McGregor one, and you can compare it to the Edward one against Dundee in a couple of weeks. So that's. Countless examples of Scott Brown doing it, as a league office one against Hamilton from last season, I think it was as well. All these type of things come into a big argument, but I, I think Alfredo they were lucky to get away with it. And unfortunately, I think he will get it will get done by the SFA. Yeah, I do.
0: I, I, you know I agree. Um, I think he did probably know what he was doing, and he, he's he's tried to, to get he got away with it on the day, but with, with retrospective action, um, it, it it doesn't happen. Now, obviously, you, you've, you've mentioned the fact that the media and, and the headlines and everything else. Um, one phrase that we, as a fan base, seem to use quite a lot is "trial by sports scene," um, and maybe in this case, it was it was trial by Andy Walker, but it's the same principle. Do you do you believe that there's something in that that the the, the attention that a player like Morelos gets? Because if you, as I say, nineteen references to that challenge by Andy Walker compared to five for Darren McGregor's challenge, which we'll come on to. Um, was, was different and should be viewed differently um, but do you think that there's maybe a power behind the media that if they focus on these incidents it makes it more likely that he'll he'll face retrospective action
2: the sky sports from is interesting so I was obviously at the game so I wasn't watching the sky feed honestly couldn't hear the commentary uh, but on I certainly flicking through Twitter as the as the game was going on the number of guys mentioned it saying why is he mentioning that again he mentioned it like straight after the after the start of the second half. Why is that being brought up again? Why is it been brought up again? And then on the scores and it's it's brought back again. And the whole trial by sports scene, trial by sky sports, I've I've said for years, I think there is something in that. If that's Kelly against St Johnson, where it gets six hundred words in the paper rather than fifteen hundred words in the paper, it's not live on Sky. People aren't debating it endlessly on the on Twitter and on forums and on Facebook and all that stuff. of it. I, I think there's something the SFA seem to focus on. I'm not saying they focus on certain individuals, but they focus on certain incidents. It's, it's obviously natural that the Rangers will create more headlines and there will be more talking points around Rangers, but that shouldn't be how the SFA govern the game. The SFA should be looking at every game, every incident, on a par with, with everyone else, not just because it's created a bit of sushi on Sky Sports or... I mind gets it's asked to bit again. Jack Ross mentions it; it becomes a bigger, a bigger story than if Alec Dyer mentions it, or a Callum Davidson mentions it, or a Graham Alexander mentions it. All, all these type of things, just because it's, it's Rangers, is also going to create a bigger, a bigger story. Which, from a media perspective, I think there's a a better part about of that is actually okay because we obviously have to generate headlines and and, then, and spark debate. That's not how the SFA should operate. SFA should be operating, treating every example the same. If it's a foul. I felt, if it's a red card, it's a red card. If it deserves action, it deserves action. Not just because there's been a bit of a stochie and because people are talking about
0: it. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I don't know, Rangers Rangers this season seem to be going about their off-the-park business very, very quietly. And whether that's the the dignified silence route or or whether that's we're doing so well on the park that we don't need to distract from it. Uh, you know, things like Celtic going to Dubai, we don't pass comment. We, we 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 now wear masks in interviews, which is maybe a better way of passing comment, but we're we're keeping very quiet on this kind of thing. I'd be surprised, very surprised if Rangers aren't asking these questions at the end of the season. So, you know, when everything's wrapped up, and even if it's behind closed doors, in a respectful, professional manner, um, I expect, and I would, uh, as a fan, I would expect the club to be asking those questions and, and saying that this is not appearing to be a fair and impartial process that, that treats every club the same. Now, David, we I'm quite glad, actually, that the questions have worked out this way, that I'm asking this question about Darren McGregor to yourself because you look very similar. Yes, um, yes, he's a, a handsome man as well, but yes. um, McGregor has, has wound up in the book for wrestling Glenn Kamara, throwing him to the floor, and then there is... I mean, I don't know if we call it a stamp, but let's say studs to leg contact. Um, how do you view th- that incident compared to the Morelos incident?
1: Well, this would this probably sum up. I don't even remember that incident. Um, and I, I, I can't off the top of my head. I haven't seen it in the highlights of works today, which maybe tells its own story because I, I could tell you every aspect of the, of the Morelos challenge. Which, I agree with Chris, it was a red card. That, I mean, we can't really contest that. It was a red card, that was stupid. I think there's been a bit of previous with those two players and I don't think eh, Marella necessarily forgets easily about things like that. But I found myself watching games on Sky this season. It's been quite refreshing of an Alan Coystone from time to time, but I, th- I feel like I can predict what Andy Walker's going to say and how he's going to say it before he says it. No, I've got nothing against Andy Walker, really. I, I, I don't particularly enjoy his commentary, but I actually think he sometimes has some good points in games. And certainly his sort of analysis in recent weeks has been has been good on the wider Scottish football um, issues and Scottish football. But I find this melodrama quite exhausting because you know... Watching the game and as Chris says, I mean I've, I've I've done it myself. I've I've worked in the sort of sports side of the media, um, and there's obviously talking points in the game, but it's becoming quite exhausting how long these things are dragged out for. I mean, there's still massive conversation about this Marella's challenge, and, and we're, we're now on Sunday, and you're still seeing things popping up about it. He's been he's been naughty. The referee's not seen it, which actually in real time. When I saw it on TV, I don't know, Chris was obviously at the game. Um and maybe he can he can come in just just shortly on this. But um I I didn't see it, you know, as as it was, you know, in real time. When they showed the show that he plays, and as you say, that sort of show and the replays eight thousand times, um, you see everything that happens, but in that initial moment, I just thought it was like bit of a stromash. Um and so I can see why the referee didn't give it. We knew the. We certainly knew when Ian Crocker continually mentioned retrospective action during the game um, that that would probably come. It's now come. He's going to be banned for three games. It's it's over. You know. So why were why we're, why it's still becoming an issue in the wider picture of Rangers as a club and uh, Morales as a player who has a, has a a temper, but. And I read a piece today in, in the Sunday Times about, you know, whether English clubs are put off by his petulance and, and whether clubs whether we'll struggle to get twenty million quid which we want for him. And it's quite difficult because 'cause I'm more concerned about his performances this season and as Chris said, he's nowhere near he was the level he was, you know, at the the start of last season. So I'm more concerned about his overall performance in terms of getting money in rather than that energy has got to him because so I think I, I, I love that about him I don't love silly challenges like Thursday night but he certainly sorry Wednesday night he certainly puts himself about in games and that's what we love about him um, but yeah it's, it's difficult I mean retrospective action's come he's going to be banned for three games and, you know maybe it's time we just moved on and I'm, I'm sorry you've asked me about the McGregor challenge I've literally not mentioned it because I, I can't remember what it was but um, other than that, that that's that's my point
0: no, it's good because it means that I can ask Chris about it because you've, you've steered clear of it entirely. Chris, obviously you were there. Please tell me that, that you're aware of the challenge that I'm talking about.
2: I am aware of it, but at, at the time, didn't think there was anything at all. The morelos Porteus one, he uh, obviously saw them coming together uh, and you could tell by the reaction on, on the pitch that there was maybe something I don't think him to you at the time, how how bad it was, I feel like, or how how it actually looked. The McGregor, eh, Camara like it's just two guys coming together on the touchline and being, being, also the other side of the pitch, you can't really tell if McGregor stood on his thigh, his ankle, whatever. I think the Morelos one, without trying to get inside Alfredo's hand, which is fairly impossible, I think he knows a bit what he's doing and he knows he's going out to be a wee bit naughty trying to be a wee bit cute and perhaps leave a wee bit on Portis because there's obviously a, a bit of rivalry there he's become the man that he loves to hate now that Scott McKenna's out the road the Darren McGregor one I think he's just a wee bit on force I think that's why one the ones each foot has to go somewhere I know that's a lot of the that's excuse a lot of the Rangers fans have used for Alfredo I think Alfredo knows what he's doing a bit more than Darren McGregor does I think McGregor just the two players come he has to put his foot somewhere. It ends up standing the top of Kamara. It's a nasty one. It's a sore one. I think it's a booking, but I think our is a red. So uh, actually,
0: I'm really glad you made that point about McGregor and, and where his foot's going to come down because uh, sports scene on Wednesday night, Chris little says, uh, you know, as, a, as a footballer, if you could call Chris Illumo a footballer, um, says as a, as a player... I think he knew where his foot was going to go and essentially saying he he could have moved it if he'd wanted to but but didn't now I'm not sure i mean I'm clearly not a footballer and i don't i don't know if his, his reactions are going to be that good i mean it's Darren McGregor and we had the pleasure of watching him play for Rangers for a year so I don't know but um it I, I would say at the risk of you know staunch points being wiped off the board I would say that actually Play. the Morelos one should have been a red the McGregor one should have been a, a yellow and that's probably about right um, I don't know Chris, what are your thoughts on that?
2: I think so I, said, I think the McGregor one's a yellow and a deserved yellow I think if Alfredo had been sent off for it at the time I don't think there would have been the whole the he, he would have still got the same level of criticism I think it's only been blown up even more so than, obviously, Alfredo things always do anyway I think he's been blown a wee bit more because he also stayed on the park, played quite well, could have had a hat-trick, scored the winning goal and that then makes it a bigger, makes it a bigger deal. But I, I think he knew what he was doing. I think he was trying to be a bit cute, trying to be a wee bit daft. And as David was saying, that's the type of thing. I don't think it'll cost him a move. I don't think it'll say that he'll go from a top 10 Premier League team to a top 10 Championship team in terms of that, that big a drop-off. But something he has to eradicate from his game. He can still be bustling, he can still be physical, he can still rough it up, he can still give like, wee elbows and still be cute and still do the dark arts and the, and the dirty tricks, if you want to say it that way. He doesn't need to do, likes of that one, likes the elbow up at, up at Tanadise. They're just daft. And I know fans always want to defend him. I've defended him probably more than most best guys. But there are wee things that if, if he doesn't do it, he doesn't then get the headlines. And there's still just wee, wee things in his game. If he eradicates it, there's more positive headlines than there are negative ones. And as much as Rangers fans greatly love him, great player, and be great to see him win the title. I don't think you can overlook the fact that he still has these still has these flaws three years on and he really just shouldn't have anymore.
0: Yeah. I mean look, I so I live I live down in London and I you know am fortunate enough sometimes to to have uh, an outsider's view on these things. And and we both all three of us now have mentioned the perception of a buy in club that they might have of Alfredo Morelos. I I do think it's important because the thing that people down here say to me is, um, you know, he's, he's got a temper or he's um, ill disciplined and that they wouldn't want their club to buy him. So I do think it, I do think it has an impact rightly or wrongly because we know that he's much like Ryan Jack three or four years ago, he's had red cards overturned and and maybe has been unfairly treated because of a reputation that he's got, but that's, that's the nature of it, unfortunately. Um, David, again, I'm glad I'm asking you this, because much like Irvin Welsh, you're quite the wordsmith. Um, Irvin Welsh was on Hibbs TV, and uh, whilst we, we don't necessarily want to be making a, an ongoing saga or something that, that maybe doesn't need to be, he's he's found himself maybe in a wee bit of hot water, and, and Hibs have apologised to Rangers, allegedly, for some comments that he made about how Morelos should be chopped up and fed to some seagulls. Um, Caused quite an outrage, obviously, uh, both directed at him, directed at David Tanner for not pulling him up live on air about it. And it's um, the, the Greg Marshall, the SLO for Rangers, has confirmed that the heads have apologised for that behaviour. What was your your take on those comments and and the reaction that's come from that?
1: Um, just stupid, really. I think needless, probably. Let's um, be a lot. T- Again, this is this is another one that's sort of blown up on on Twitter, which in Scottish football. You know, is the way of it. Um, you know, just just daft comments, something that it was a bit needless. In terms of David Tanner's involvement, I I think if I was a broadcaster in that situation, I think you'd be you'd be shocked rather than and I mean listen, David Tanner's an experienced guy. But I think in that situation, when you're doing the in-house media, I don't blame him for his reaction because I think that's a, that's a split second decision and, and the next thing you know, the conversation's moved on. I doubt Hibs have got the same sort of production staff that major broadcasters have that are telling David Tanner to say something about it. Um, I think if if I think Irving Welsh had been on Sky or BBC and said something like that, the likelihood is, they would have apologised right on air for it. Um, something of that, that ilk. Uh, I think that just shows why you shouldn't have people who aren't you know, I, I loathe to say football people because we've seen numerous times in, in the Scottish media that, uh, sorry, not the Scottish media, because I'm part of that, but the um, but certainly the broadcasters and some of the people that, that speak that have played the game and in England, to be fair, I think it's a, it's a UK problem. Uh, there seems to be a lot of football guys who maybe don't make the best points on there. But I think when you invite someone like Irvin Melshu. I would assume you know. Well, I think we all love it. Most of us love the stuff that he's done in his career, but he's going to bring an edginess to anything he does. I don't think he's going to play it by the the book in, in the sense of football broadcasting. So you are always taking a risk. I think. Um, I mean, not to say I, I didn't. I wouldn't have expected something like that, but certainly needless. And I think Hibs as a club will probably be quite embarrassed and, and pissed off about that because you know, it is needless. Um, bad press for them. Uh, and, yeah, just, just. I think, again, as I said about the Morelos red card, um, outrage, you know, I think this is another one that you just have to forget about, you know, because um, yeah, it's really not worth the time, I don't think. I think you've just got to move on and, and take the more high ground in these situations. Yeah, I, do
0: you know, I think I think you're right. I've seen calls for uh, the SFA to investigate. I've seen calls for Rangers to, um, you know, make public statements about how inappropriate it was. Um, obviously, numerous complaints were made to Ofcom, which doesn't actually regulate in-house media channels like that. But um, I, I can see why why fans would have would have done so. But I think I agree, David, that we've received the apology. Clearly, that guy's not going to go back on Hibs TV. Um, and uh, and maybe we just we just let that be the end of it, and, and maybe that ties into our uh, strategy of look everything's going so well on the pitch. Let's not do anything to to be a wee bit of a sideshow if we don't need to. Um, Chris, we have now reached the end of January, and the points gap is massive, astronomical, um, and certainly the biggest points gap that that I can remember at this stage of the season. Um, still unbeaten only what's it seven seven or eight goals conceded all season um, we've all been sort of talking about how it's one game at a time Stuart Weir was very clear on that when he was on the show uh, last week it's one game at a time and it's um, you know we don't count our chickens we don't celebrate too early I mean from a, a neutral and an impartial perspe- perspective surely surely this is this is all over and this is wrapped up
2: I think it's all over and it's, it's wrapped up i said it's been all over and wrapped up for a couple of weeks. I, I wrote a column maybe three weeks or so ago uh, and then they followed it up last week, basically saying, no, week's done, it's, it's over and dusty. I had a number of people saying, look, it's still too early. It's one game at a time and the rest of it. I think any said, it knew what the points gap was and said, right, Celtic have to win three games in hand. They need to win both Old form games. Any that's seen any of Celtic over the last few weeks knows they weren't going to win the three games in hand. The chances of them beating Rangers in the two Old Firm games and basically winning every single game the last 16, 17, 18, 19 games whatever it was going to be, they were never going to win every single game in hand. Uh, and once Rangers got Wednesday night out the road I think Wednesday night was the last game stumble everybody looked at at January think well you've you've got the whole firm game Aberdeen away Muddle away but obviously slipped up you've got Hibs away to come through January should have taken full points to only drop two points see Celtic implode even more so than they had done in the previous like 10 weeks or so Uh, I'd I'd be utterly astounded if Rangers don't go in the win league from here it's it's going to happen Celtic are in no position to actually capitalise on it Uh, even if Rangers were to have a a bad couple of weeks, and the momentum kind of kind of falls away a wee bit. Celtic just aren't in a position to capitalise on that.
0: No, and I mean, obviously, this is a Rangers podcast, and, and we don't like to spend too much time talking about about them. But why do you think that is? I mean, it, it seems that they've they've imploded greater than any implosion we've seen before. I mean, Rangers form January February last year fell away dramatically, but but the the contrast between. You know, the, the quadruple treble winners and and the unbeaten season under Brendan to, to where they are now of of a broken manager throwing his players under the bus. Um, a CEO that's resigned. Uh, it, it seems to be in, in utter disarray. And I think Rangers have done very, very well to capitalise on that. But I mean, Celtic yesterday lost at home to St Mirren for the first time in 30 years. Um, have one of the, I think they're, am I right in saying they're eighth in the form table over the last six games. I mean, how do you even begin to try and explain what's what's changed there?
2: To put a okay, Rangers slant on it, it's been my biggest bugbear over the last couple of seasons. Rangers have, much like Celtic aren't in a position to capitalise, Rangers have never put sustained pressure on Celtic to actually see what they're made of. Over, over the last couple of years, certainly after, after Rodgers left, always thought there's a bit of a, a, a fragility there and they could be they could be got at, but for one reason or another, whether it was coming back from Tenerife, coming back to Dubai, players losing form, Morelos losing form and the team just not being able to... Rangers could just never keep the pressure on for that wee bit longer just to actually make Celtic think, to ask different questions of them and as soon as it became obvious this season, like this Rangers team isn't going to go away, they've got a different mentality, they've got something different about them Celtic just completely, completely wilted and the whole, I know with I think a Dave King packet of guards line has has come to four once again. But you no, know, I was actually in the press conference read it and we said it that day. And the week days and weeks after it, everybody dismissed it because it was Dave King that said it. Nobody people dismissed the message because who it came from, rather than actually looking at it and saying, look, this this could actually happen. Once Celtic lose Rodgers, once they lose a couple of good players, once Rangers actually get their act right together. It's only taken one good season one full complete season from Rangers for Celtics, the whole whole structure just to just to basically disintegrate and as we were saying before we came on here, it's now a new chief exec, a new sporting director, director of football, whatever you want to do, a new manager definitely, because obviously Lennon's Lennon's off. So that that's a really big summer plus looking at I going, Cham going, McGregor going, Edward going, Christie going. And there's now a chance here a Rangers with a, a proper structure in place. I'm sure we'll come on the transfer window. Rangers are now planning two, or three windows down the line. Rangers are building from a position of strength. And Celtic, are where Rangers were a couple of years ago, needing an overhaul, needing somebody to come in and lift lift the whole thing. Kind of where Rangers were before Stephen Gerrard. Needs somebody to come in and basically grab the whole club, bring the whole club back back together, uh, and basically try and rebuild it, Try and rebuild a team, uh, and to do that in in one season is a huge ask for them
0: that's i think that's the interesting thing if if we try and strip away all of the emotion from this uh, which is of course utterly impossible but if you look at it from a you know a pure sporting business perspective it's not just an on the park rebuild that they need and, and and clubs go through that clubs go through an on the park rebuild every few years it has to happen when you know there's natural attrition of players players retire players get sold but it's off the park as well and it's not like um you know laws only just been there a few years 17 years that guy's been in that role. Um, and had utter control over the club and allegedly large parts of Scottish football. Um, you know he, he has a, a, a strong influence over. So it's it, it's the, the combination of those two things I think make it very very interesting and very exciting from a Rangers perspective to see how that goes. And obviously they're, they're, we don't want to uh, kind of predict the future here because it, it could make us look very very foolish. But they bring in a guy with with no experience of football. Um, never had to really buy or sell a player, I never never been introduced to the murky world of football agents and football contracts. And, and uh, I don't know, it's... Uh, I, like I say, if you look at this as, a, as an academic exercise, it's, it's very, very interesting. But David, it, it looks very possible that we'll, we'll win it at Parkhead. Um, and actually, until... Yesterday, I probably said it was looking likely that that could be the date that, that we would have circled on the calendars. Obviously, they go and drop more points yesterday, and it's possible that we win it at the United the week before. But would you enjoy the experience, given that fans won't be there, would you enjoy the experience of winning it uh, at Parkhead? Or would you prefer, even with
1: with empty stands, would you prefer to win the league at Highbrooke? um I really don't care. 'Cause I'm I'm just i I'm, st- I'm not quite as far down the road as you saying. Uh I'm I'm just waiting and I d I I don't want to tempt fate. So um but no, I would just be I'd be happy to win it whatever, uh, really. As long as it was just done and dusted, it would be great. The thing that just listening to, to your conversation there. The thing that I'm struggling with at the moment is uh you know, there was there's been a few clips going around and, and obviously, you know, a lot of Rangers fans are having a laugh at Stuff that's going on, quite rightly. Um, There was a guy on Super Scoreboard yesterday. I don't know if anyone heard that. Basically in tears. Now, to to unpackage that um, is, is quite interesting because this is a team who have won, or a club who have won nine league titles in a row. They've won four trebles in a row. So every trophy. It takes... You know, one bad run, one bad season, for their full world to come crashing down. Now we have had the most miserable ten years that any football fan could have. Now, when you when you really look at it, low points. Colin mentioned getting beat from Annan at Ibrox was a low point. We were getting we were getting beat regularly in that third division season. We won the league comfortably, but there was a few bad moments in that it was desperate. The second season was arguably worse because, you know, it was just a bit boring. And then the third season, we thought we'd go back up. We didn't. We then, you know, um, finally get back up with Warburton and then we're embarrassed, you know, numerous times by Brendan Rodgers Celtic. Have to take that. Haven't won a trophy in God knows how long. Um, and then you get, you know, this this new guy, this new Portuguese manager, and he brings in Bruno Alves, and we all think, Jesus, we're back in the money here. We're back in Europe, fantastic. Then we get put out by a part-time team who, you know, had a bunch of plumbers and farmers playing for them. Well, manager stood in a bush and shouted at the fans. Then get back in the bus. Then we get we get pumped from Motherwell in the semi-final. Centre-half gets his nose smashed open and then the manager gets sent off. Then he gets sacked. Then we have Marty till the end of that season. And that I said this in the last pod Part I was on last I think it was last week. That was arguably the worst six months of the full time when when Murray was in charge from that 3 2 game at Ibrooks until the end of that season it was as desperate as it had I ever felt. We were getting hammered, hammered twice in about two or three weeks by Celtic, and you just didn't know where we were going. You just thought this is we are now at a stage where I don't know if we're ever coming back or when we're going to win another trophy. Gerald comes in and it's just changed in the last two years. And, you know, I think we deserve this as, as a fan base. I think we deserve this success. Um, and hopefully, you know, again, I, I don't really want to um, tempt fate in any way, but certainly the way things are at the moment, all points to us winning the league, which I think would be a magnificent achievement for Stephen Gerald for the club itself. I think. You know, regardless of the performances in the pitch, the, the the value of the squad alone is a remarkable um, feat, considering with very few sellable assets when, when Gerald came in, really, when you look at the squad. Um, so to have, you know, a few players there that are worth over 10 million quid, you would probably say, you know, in Kent, Kamara, Morellas, Goldson, Tavernier, then a remarkable job. But I think it's quite interesting, really. You know, we've put up with a lot of awful, you know, performances on the pitch, a lot of embarrassing moments off the pitch in the last ten years, um, and we've just had to sit and take it. And Celtic have won everything and won everything up until December this year or last year, sorry. And yet, you know, one bad run and it's like the end of the world. Every single episode, it, it seems every every radio show is dominated by. What's going on at Celtic? And it's been that for four months now. And don't get me wrong, I listen to it every night. But, but, I mean, it's remarkable. It is remarkable. Um, And, you know, I'm not complaining, but I just find that it's really, really hard to get your head around. And I think if you were someone that was new to Scottish football, I mean, it, it, it makes no sense. But, listen, we are in a great position. We've got a great squad, a good manager who looks like he, he wants to stay at the club um long term which is great. And things are good. And it, I think it's been a long time coming because we've put up with a lot of shit over the past ten years and we've also spent a lot of money going to watch the team. Um so yeah, that's that's my that's my spiel. That
0: was it was very nice. Um
1: it was It's just it's my it's my big my big moment in the sun.
0: Aye. I, I... I take it. Yeah, you really took it. Um as <laughs> as passionate as Stephen O'Donnell on sports scene last night it was yes. rousing. That that was that
1: was again, that sort of falls into my point. That was the most. that was remarkable as well. Um it,
0: it's it's um it, that it's uh, it's bad for Scottish football for Rangers to be so far ahead and so dominant when Celtic have won everything for the best part of a decade. Nah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Exactly. But you know, that's his opinion and that's fine. If he thinks that, then fine, but I'm quite satisfied with how far ahead we are. Yeah,
0: no, you're right. Um, gents, there's an interesting question that's come up in the chat uh, from the delightfully named Scooby Nut 82 um, I think that's what David was going to be called if he wasn't called David, so that's good. Um, I'll start with yourself, Chris. It's uh, What would you rather? Would you rather see Rangers win the league and stay unbeaten and, and beat Celtic's record for unbeaten games or would you rather see Rangers win the league and uh, beat Celtic's record of 29 points between first and second? So win the league and, and beat the record for unbeaten games or beat the record for the gap between first and second?
2: I think the gap is more significant than the unbeaten, unbeaten run. I know the un, unbeaten run has obviously been done not, not that not long ago and Rangers obviously can uh, match the, uh, the invincible seasons even if, if they were to go through the season or uh, the uh, Premiership season unbeaten it could always be thrown back at you Now, nah, well no, Brendan Rodgers team did it a couple of years ago and they, won every, no, they were unbeaten every, every single game unbeaten wise I don't think the manager and the players are with that first I think well it's, it's still there it's something to aim for it's something to try and, try and achieve if it was to end once the league's done uh, and they have to lose a game three four games before the end of the season I don't think they'll be, they'll be that good I think finishing as far ahead as Celtic as possible. That, that's a real statement of intent because as we just mentioned, there new guys come in, new chief exec, new sporting director, new manager. They, they then look at the table and think, now that's a sizable, if you, if you lose the league by six, seven points as well, it's only two, no, two three games that we can catch that up. If you potentially lose lose the league by 20 plus points, that that doesn't happen very often. It doesn't that that really happens in in Scottish football? Uh, and that that'd be a real statement of intent from Rangers. If you could be as relentless and as ruthless and keep that going, you're then sitting at Parkhead over the summer thinking how the hell do we claw back 25, 30 points? Whatever it ends up being, I think that'd be. I think that's a. If it's between those two things, I think finishing as far ahead as... As possible would be the it would be the aim for them, and I think if you ask the manager and, and the board and the players, I think that's how they would how they'd answer it as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, well put, David. How about yourself?
1: Um, it's it's a weird one because I've been I've sort of been looking at the the table and just kind of the results and what we would have to do to to match the, the Celtic um, unbeaten run of of twenty sixteen seventeen. I think we would need to win every single game until the end of the season. It's difficult that because, you know, if, if if things keep going the way they are and we do win the title with games to spare, you know what it's like? It, it sort of becomes harder to keep that run going. But it's difficult because a lot of people outside Rangers, you know, mates that I've got that don't support Rangers, it seems to be, you know, a lot of people are saying that they think that they will go unbeaten. You know, it doesn't seem to just be Rangers fans that are thinking. That this side is capable of that, which is testament to Gerald and his players. But um, I think it's possible whether it will happen. I mean, it's this is something that's only been done, you know, once in the past however many years. So it just so happens it was only four or five years ago, but it would be a great achievement. I would love to do it, but I think just getting the title done and dusty is going to be the main um, objective for now. And then once we win that, hopefully. Spurs the players on but I wouldn't be surprised if you find drop, maybe drop points or lose a game in the final stretch once the league's done and dusted but I don't know it's not something I'm obsessed by but it would be nice it would be nice just for I, th- I don't know if it would be the first ever for the club in the top flight Ross you're a you're a man that knows his stats uh,
0: we won every game back in the 20s or 30s I believe i um, asked ask Colin because Colin was around then um, aye You'd be or eleven then. No, but we did. Um, uh, admittedly, with a smaller league, ah, uh, here we go. Frankie in the chat uh, just saying 90, uh, 1899 to nineteen hundred. We won every game. Um, so, I I mean, admittedly, that's that's maybe a, a grander achievement. But um, no, I, I they're both massive achievements. Whether it's the you know, the the gap, the points gap, or an unbeaten season. Um whatever happens, as long as we win the league this season, it, it's it's remarkable. I mean, I don't know if we can if we can set a record for the earliest title as well. Because we're we're looking at winning it late February. You know, it's 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 remarkable either way. Uh gents, before we move on to talk about the transfer window, which uh, which comes to a close tomorrow evening, um I'm just gonna take a moment to to mention a couple of the partners that we have here at JezNet, uh who, who very gratefully support the the, the podcast that we have. The first of whom is uh, www.rangerspicks.com. Rangers Picks uh, is the official Rangers Pick'em game. Uh, super easy to sign up, uh, create an account. It's totally free to play. All you have to do is answer 12 questions and make 12 predictions about the upcoming game. Uh, the, the rangerspicks.com sort of lobby for the, the St. Johnston game is live now. Um, you just have to answer some, some very simple questions of what you think will happen in the game, such as will Ryan Kent get an assist? How many tackles will Glenn Kamara make? Um, and there is a, a prize pot of £1,000 to be won for every game. Um, I managed to pick up £60 this weekend, uh, and as I say, it's totally free to play. Is it easy? Of course. It's, it is very, very easy. I won £60. Frankie won £50 on the first game of the season, so um, I, it's, it's it's good, it's free, it's worthwhile, um, and it's, it's very, very easy to get involved. It does count as gambling, so please make sure that you are uh, aged above 18 and always gamble aware the other partner that we have is football prizes, which is www.footballprizes.co.uk who run um, competitions to win signed shirts and and very, very nicely presented memorabilia. Um, They have a Glenn Camara signed shirt, which is nicely framed and backlit. And it's it's, uh, a really impressive piece of kit. You have to be really, really quick with these guys because they they launch prizes and they are sold out very quickly. There's only 99 tickets for each one. Um, But so please do keep your eye on the, the JazzNet Twitter feed and we'll be tweeting out links as soon as we can for the the next upcoming competitions so that's footballprizes.co.uk Right Uh, Chris the January transfer window closes tomorrow obviously there's been some business so far I think I read uh, an article this week that across mainly across England that the um, number of transfers that have been done is staggeringly low and that's maybe due to the the insecurity of COVID some insecurity or or uncertainty around Brexit as well Um, but the number of transfers being done in, in Scotland as well seems to be you know Certainly breaking with tradition of recent years, is, it's declining massively. Um, the deals that we've done, Tommy Wright on a pre-contract. Uh, Tommy Wright, that would have been a shocking signing. Um, Scott Wright on a pre-contract coming in from Aberdeen. Uh, Jack Simpson coming up from, from Bournemouth was announced yesterday. And uh, Namde off a Bar is widely expected to sign from Bournemouth on a pre-contract as well. Um, uh, Chris I guess the first question is are you you happy with that business and are you maybe disappointed to see that these are just reinforcements for the summer rather than coming in now
2: I don't think Rangers really needed anything this month, they certainly didn't need a a massive overhaul, There's no point in really spending money for the sake of it if uh, if the lead had only been 5 or 6 points right we'll go and try and bring in one more just to give us that wee bit of security Uh, but the manager has been pleased with the squad throughout the whole season, the squad overall has stood up to the rigours of the season, when you've lost players through injury or suspension, there's guys that will be able to come in and, and play a part in, in, the, in the business that the the manager and uh, Ross Wilson did in the summer has certainly, has certainly stood us in, in good stead. Uh, I think, that, as I mentioned earlier on, Rangers can now build from a position of strength. They can look at, right, we'll need Scott Wright in the summer because Jones is all, all but done. Brandon Barker away, you'll need somebody a, b- a bit fresher. The uh, same, same with Simpson, you may be looking at, even a season down the line, Corner Goldson maybe going back down south having a crack at the Premier League as Simpson, the guy that can keep, have, have a season here and then eventually step into his step into shoes. The Rangers now can plan. They don't just need to look at the window say, like, what do we need now? What's, what's the priority to see us to January? What's the priority to see us to the summer so we can win the league? They can look next window, the window after that, the window after that look at replacement for goals, and look at a replacement for Taft, look at a replacement for McGregor, look at one for Stephen Davis. And that just really can kind of keep the squad evolving and, and, and improving all the time. So I'm, I feel like Rangers have done the business. I thought they would do not in terms of the names, but in, in terms of the types of signings, they've basically ticked the all the boxes and how I thought they would uh, go about January.
0: So what what's struck me, Chris, is that we are seemingly targeting young talent from British clubs do you think that that's a um, you know a, a dedicated strategy that we've got? I, mean, I I remember particularly in the Warburton years, there was so much frustration about we're picking up guys from Wigan and Brentford and, and places that Warburton has worked. Uh, we should be looking in Poland, we should be looking in Croatia, um, Eastern Europe, and pick up good talent cheap from there. And obviously, we, we, we've we've done that to a degree with um, I guess with Morelos coming from Finland with. Uh, Niko Katic with Borna Barisic coming from Croatia um, but it seems that we might have uh, shifted back to picking up the best young talent from from British clubs at the end of their contracts do you think that that's a, like I say a dedicated strategy or do you think that things like Brexit might potentially be having an impact on this?
2: It may well do it's not something I've actually discussed with the club in terms of the impact that Brexit's having on it I think when you're looking at Warburton doing it, it was guys that he knew or guys that he played with and that's different from what Gerard is doing. With, with all respect, like Granger's also said, it did well at likes at and it did okay at Waghorn but other ones like Kiernan and some of the other guys that came up also, also didn't do as well. I think it's different with Stephen Gerard doing it because they, they can really exploit the English system and English market if you like. Like Sir Simpson, they can pick him up for Picking up for nothing, like say Joe Rebo, pick him up for like 300 grand, whatever it was they paid for him. And at 300 grand, you're just not going to lose on Joe Rebo, you're, you'll, you'll make you're, you're making money t- 10 times over easily. So, the, I think that's that is an area and that is a market they can look at. They see how, how the English game is going, they're, they're still spending money, they're still bringing in foreign guys, they're still spending big. And there's a, a wealth of talent there that can be developed. And, and the way that Rangers have to operate the market, it's by Buy low, sell high, and the easiest way to do that is to go down the road, pick up guys, give them a chance, give them Europa League football, give them Champions League football next season, give them the chance to play in front of 50,000 eyeballs, give them the chance to work alongside Stephen Gerrard. There's a lot of things that Rangers can offer that a Bournemouth can't, that a Charlton can't, even Premier League clubs can't, for instance, again, like Sir Ryan Kent, we, we can offer players something different, we can offer players... Progression rather than stagnation that they will get down south. So, while well, they do have to try and get the new Cat H or the new Baris H, and there's undoubtedly bargains out there in, in Central Europe and in Eastern Europe and in, in Scandinavia, I think you will see Rangers continue to go down that, bring, bring in these young English guys because they've then got a premium. Rangers have to make money, and the, and the board have admitted it. It has to be part of the full time full, uh, funding model of the club to sell players, and the easiest way to do it. Bring bring them in from England, couple of good seasons, back down the road, keep keep the profit, be invested in somebody else, and the whole thing just becomes almost like a snowball effect.
0: I wonder if there's if there's less risk this way as well. You know, we we've done well with our, our Central and Eastern European scouting. Um I think that the, the obvious flop that we had was Eros Gresda. Um but I think I'm right in saying that we actually recouped a fair amount of money, um, punting him back to where he came from. So um, it, it seems to have been pretty successful for us, but but just in terms of the risks of that player being unable to settle or, or not not familiar with the style of football that we have in, in Scotland, it, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's less risky this way, and, and and certainly whilst we don't seem to be in the market for first team star impact players, um, because we're, you know we're doing quite well in that regard, obviously. Um, I think I think you're right that this is these are markets that make sense for us and 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 they're players with undoubted talent who maybe don't get the look in that they deserve um, down south. David, how about yourself? I mean, obviously we we have around about 24 hours left in the transfer window at the time of recording this. Do you expect to see anything? Maybe not even just at Rangers, but, but across Scotland tomorrow. I think what I'm particularly interested in is with Rangers we have these these pre-contracts, who will be coming up in the summer. But as we saw with Glenn Kamara, there's always a way to make a deal to get that player in earlier. Do you think that Jack Simpson or um, I was going to call him Tommy Wright again, Scott Wright, do you think that there's a chance that that we'll see something happen tomorrow that will get them in the door a wee bit earlier?
1: Um, I don't think Simpson will be, but I, I'm not sure. I mean, Chris is obviously a better contacts than me and the old uh, and Rangers, but I wouldn't be surprised if Scott Wright Came tomorrow, but the thing is, we don't really have any strikers to offer. Derek McInnes and I think that is what they will be looking for tomorrow. Um, certainly after two go- goal of straws and losing, well, looking to lose Cosgrove. So it'll be interesting to see how that one comes together and whether we can get him and door, I think he would actually make quite a big difference to the squad. Uh, it would give us another option, the wide areas. Um. In terms of wider Scottish football, I don't know. It's difficult because the cash isn't isn't flowing, in for some clubs, so it'll be interesting. I can't see any major shocks coming. Um, I don't think anything else will happen at Rangers. I think the only thing you'll possibly see would be Scott Wright coming in. I think it'd be good to get him in now because you know, we give him a chance to get. Himself equipped with um, with with the team and, and the, his his teammates, but I think Scott Wright's an obvious one that fits into the system and fits into the way we play. I think he'll you will benefit from playing for Rangers rather than Aberdeen, who maybe don't benefit a, a player of his sort of um, physical attributes and in the way probably he likes to play the game. So it will be interesting. I would love to see him in. I'd love to see him come. Early tomorrow, uh, but I don't know. I think Aberdeen have got quite a lot in their plate, and I think there will have a few things they need to get done tomorrow. So whether we can we can find a way, I don't. I'm not so sure. Yeah, that'll
0: be that'll be interesting. I'm sure, Chris, that you'll be uh, kept busy regardless of uh, of of what you do or do not get done. Um, Jess before we wrap up. Um, I thought it would just be interesting to to maybe reflect a wee bit cast our minds back over over previous January transfer windows David you and I were talking about this in the week Um, so I'll start with yourself who would you say is the the best signing that Rangers have made in in a a January transfer window
1: the obvious one for me in my lifetime uh, Barry Ferguson 2005 that was that was a that was quite a surprising signing really um at the time, I mean, it might not have been to adults, but I was only a boy. So it was quite surprising for me, considering I just left. Um, but the one that always... And when I actually said this to you the other night, the one that, that sticks in my mind... I was at a gig in Glasgow, 2011. It would have been January 2011. And I was at the O2 Academy. And I checked my phone. I think it was my first iPhone or whatever. And um, Rangers sign out, has you And I was like, What? That is unbelievable. And when they signed it, it was like one of those signings that Walter Smith made from time to time. There seemed to just be a, a bit of a banter signing, you know, um, because El Hadjouf, I don't know, Biela kicked for off. I can't remember how many appearances he made. I don't even know if he scored a goal, but that was a great signing. That was just a laugh. That was like one of those signings that you're know, like, that's a right good laugh. Um, but in recent years, Obviously, last season, which was a weird one, I think it was a year ago today, we signed uh Camberry from Hibs on loan, so that was a weird one. But there's probably more weird than good in terms of Rangers. But for me, Barry Ferguson remains the the, the goat of um Rangers January signings.
0: Yeah, I remember that one well because it was it was very late at night, wasn't it? On, on the deadline itself,
1: aye, it's mm. so, a will they won't they four and a half million swoop exactly? Um, exactly. So yeah, memorable.
0: I think. I mean, so looking at El Hajjuf here on Wikipedia, fifteen appearances, one goal. Um, as he was brought in,
1: uh, I think it was a. Do you know what? I think it was quite a good goal he scored, and I think it was in, like a relatively big game.
0: I have absolutely no recollection of it. My main recollection of El Hajjuf is it must have been a cup final, and there's him sort of stood on this uh, the steps at Hamden, going up to the dugout just doing that after we won a cup Um, for the audio viewers. That was a audio listeners rather. That was kind of arms in the air waving it about movement. Um, And that was uh, my main recollection of him at Rangers. I don't remember him doing anything else, but like you say, the only other question I have about that David was who was the gig? Oh God. Well,
1: I can't remember. I've no idea. It would have been some sort of um, emo band probably. Like some sort of, aye, would would be something like that. But well, I'm going to. I've, I've just found the goal. It was Sporting Lisbon away. It was a header. I remember it well. It was the one when we scored in the last seconds of the game right. to go through. So Excellent. that was a great header. But no, I'm I'm sort of get. I'm trying to deflect from whatever band it was. That I was I was always seeing, but it was some sort of embarrassing emo thing. Excellent.
0: Not glad to hear it. Um, you're right that we we've had some some. Poor January signings? The, the, the worst one that springs to mind for me is maybe a, an Andy Webster or someone like that. Um, but Chris, yourself, the, the, the best January signing that you can remember for Rangers?
2: Just for the record, Donnie El Elhais he also scored a 2-1 win home to Kilmarnock in March 2011, according to Soccerbase. I, I can't answer the name, but he scored early on Jamie Hamill penalty equalised and uh, Tim Clancy own goal, won it for Rangers. Not, not one that lived in the memory and so probably there and I probably at that game and still can't even remember it It's has been it's how memorable it was in terms of January signings I can't believe you didn't mention David. there uh, but I saw this on, the, on an agenda earlier on I just assumed that if, if he didn't come to me first my shout would have been out the window and I need to scramble and try and, try and think of something else and probably landed on Barry Fierkson even Dave, Ware for me is the is the best January sign that Reigns have made for, for quite some time. Like the, the ultimate uh, short-term stopgap that turned into a great, great captain, a, a legend of the club during that time, and you know, gave gave so much, so so much success. Part of a also well, a great side under under Walters. So, you now David for me, and uh, to come in and, and do the job that he did for for so long. He's he's got to bring it up there in terms of uh, in terms of best uh, January deals.
1: I actually I'm think okay. that, that, that window you're on about, I, I believe it was Davey Weir, Ugo Ekiog and Kevin Thompson all came in that January. So, am I right in saying that? <laughs> the silence is deafening. That's a, that's <laughs> I think, I'm, I'm pretty sure Ugo Ekiog definitely did. And then I think Kevin Thompson might have as well. So, yeah, no, that's that's better memory than mine, Chris, 100%. But Chris, am I right in saying that he came in, it
0: was, as you say, a stop gap, It was a six-month deal at first, was it not?
2: Just meant to be until the end of the season. Uh, Walter also just needed somebody having come in, needed somebody to show up that defence. I see also by Og, uh, uh, came in as well. Just needed somebody that you knew, somebody experienced, just to try and uh, tide us over, and ended up tiding us over to three league titles. Yeah. Well,
0: you know what? I think you're right that those two, Barry Ferguson and David Weir, are two sort of that jumped to mind immediately. But I'm surprised that neither of you have said Chris Boyd. You know, comes in in a January. Scores 20 goals in 21 games. Hat-trick on his debut. Um, the top scorer that the Premier League, Scottish Premier League has ever seen. Um, infinitely better than Henry Larsson as a footballer. Uh, total wind-up merchant banter pundit. Um, I, I think he's not just in terms of what he's done on the pitch, but what he's doing now off the pitch as well. Probably makes him my favourite January transfer window signing. So I'm,
1: uh, I'm starting to think that you two have discussed this before, and then Led me in with the Barry Ferguson thing, and now you're throwing up these these names as if as if you're just so much more knowledgeable than me. Like you idiot, I can't believe you didn't see David. I'll, I'll tell you what, you're an idiot. You didn't say Chris Boyd. I'll be stitched up again, think it's a, straight off the top of the head.
0: <laughs> it's it's hard to say that you were stitched up when this segment was your idea. It was my
1: idea. <laughs> that shows how lazy I am. Absolutely no preparation. <laughs>
0: No, Barry Ferguson, because he'd scored he scored seventeen goals for Comanek in the first half of that season, I think. And and that
1: Barry Ferguson. <sighs> that's oh, what you said, then Barry Ferguson and Chris. But come on, I, mean, that, right, I think that's nearly time anyway. I mean, we're we'll, we'll losing control of this show. That'll do. that'll be
0: losing control. Sure, that's my fault. Um, right, no, you're right. That will that will do. Um, I think we'll have to wrap it up there. I will say a massive thank you to, to both David and to Chris for giving up their time this evening and and joining me. Um, the show will be back next weekend um, when David is that yourself taking charge of that one
1: no I think it's Colin Colin the main man's back that's fine people keep saying on Twitter this has really really hurt my ego
0: I know it's really bad isn't it uh, Colin's I think you've got more Twitter followers than you and me put together that's a shame Um, but Colin will be back so make sure you email questions about the 1899 season and we'll get them discussed um, as I said, please do head over to the website www.jersnet.co.uk and get involved in the friendly discussion forum where you can find all of your ChairsNet podcast contributors. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. Um, have a great week and please do stay safe. Bye for now.